think, well, is it right for us to call and say, and say you know, well, I'm, I'm, my seed's going to draw your money away from you, you heathen, you know? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. But that's what James chapter 5 talks about. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, is not talking to Christians. If you, the very first part of the fifth chapter of James is talking to uh, the unsaved. It says, Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl, for your miseries that shall come upon you, your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rest of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Hallelujah. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Verse 5, you have lived in pleasure on the earth and have been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. And then it changes in verse 7, starts talking to the saved man. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. You know, so I have really important scripture here that talks about that very thing, about how rich men who have not lived right, who have uh, uh, by fraud a lot of times got their riches. You think, well, why does God have a right to take their riches away from them? He said there because they've kept back wages from people by fraud. They've uh, they've kept back the we've talked about it not too long ago. They've kept back the holy tithe that belongs to God. The Bible says the tithe, the tenth, belongs to Him. And when if it belongs to Him, He has the right to take it anytime He wants to, doesn't He? Hallelujah. And so uh, because of that, there's God has had an end time plan, an end time system, hallelujah, that's going to finance the harvest. And uh, we don't know how he's going to get it into our hands exactly. We just know that we're believing it and we're calling for it. Hallelujah. And that we have, and sowing towards it. And we have a, you always have a right to call for your harvest. I mean, the one, the one I asked the Lord, I said, you know, what right do we have to speak into the earth and say, finances come to me in Jesus' name? And he said, every farmer has a right to his harvest. And the only way you have a right to a harvest is if you've planted seed. Not just not the tithe. The tithe is not your seed. The tithe belongs to God. You can't plant something that belongs to somebody else. So you can't plant a tithe and call it a seed because that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. But you can take over and beyond your tithe and plant offerings, plant seeds, and, and they can be all different kinds of seeds, seeds, financial seeds, and uh, different kinds of seeds. And then you have a right to call for the harvest. Every farmer knows that he has a right to go into the field and get that that harvest. And we have a right to say, money, you come to me in Jesus' name. Angels, you go forth and you cause my harvest to come. We have a right to say that. We need to be saying it because you you a harvest, you always harvest with your mouth. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We'll study that sometimes out a little more, but I wanted to point that out tonight. Before we get started, 
Well, let's pray for a second. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus that you gave us this awesome gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of tongues. We thank you for all the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for the operations and demonstrations of the Holy Ghost in these last days. And we thank you for the reign of the Holy Spirit, that early and latter reign that James talked about. And we receive that here at Word of Life Church and in our county. Father, the harvest needs the rain. And we thank you that you have prepared it in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for keeping us totally filled with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, tonight we're going to do what we did for the last three, no, two, two before this. This will be the third uh, Sunday night. Uh, we're going to lay hands at the end of this service uh, for... Uh, fresh fillings of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we can't, re we, we need to be immersed and totally filled. And every week we're getting a little bit more. Hallelujah. And for these last days, we're going to have to be filled. How, we can't get too filled. Amen. And that was one of the uh, characteristics of the disciples in the book of Acts is they were filled to overflowing and, and with the Holy Ghost. And when we get as much Holy Ghost in us as they had in them, we'll have the same works that they had. And the reason we haven't had what they have is because we've never let ourselves be filled to the degree that they were filled. You can't be prim and proper and be full of the Holy Ghost because the Bible said that uh, they were so full that the people of the city, the people that weren't full, uh, said, what's wrong with these folks? Are they drunk? And it's just the what the the something hour, the third hour, the third hour. I, I mean, why couldn't they just said nine o'clock? You know, I'm not into these. I don't understand this third hour stuff. But it's just the, it's early in the morning and there, are they drunk already? And hallelujah. So they weren't acting prim and proper, were they? Amen. Uh, they were, they were saturated with the Holy Spirit and they were impacting their, uh, their, uh, their surroundings. They were impacting the people in their community greatly and we want to influence we want to impact and influence the people of our community it's a must that we do that amen and it's a must that we the more filled we are with the holy ghost the less shocked and taken aback and and we won't when when things happen in our world if terrorism strikes we won't be afraid we'll be full we'll laugh ha <laughs> ha hallelujah not laugh at the loss of life but just laugh that the devil he, he's so defeated amen how, and uh, and we'll just be we'll just we'll just we'll just uh, my dad says well we're just taking them as they come. If you ask my dad, well how are you doing? I, I talked to him on the phone. Yes, just taking them as the, as they come. I don't know what that means, but he always says that. But I tell you, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll just you'll it'll just roll off of you. You'll just take them as they come. I don't think that's what he's talking about. Being full of the Holy Ghost, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He's coming in a couple of weeks. Y'all can ask him if that's what he means about it. Amen. Let's go to Leviticus tonight. We looked last week at Genesis, Exodus. Hallelujah! Been a long time since we started a message in Leviticus. Hallelujah. Try to avoid it when all possible. No, I'm just kidding. Don't mean to hurt the, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in Leviticus. So forgive me for that, Lord. But there is some things that I'm so glad we're redeemed from in Leviticus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 
in Leviticus, we find the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're looking at. Just, just letting the Word of God wash over us concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And you know, sometimes the Word, the, the word can always say it better than we can say it. Amen. So y'all just let the word speak to you tonight. In, uh, in, the, in Leviticus, the Holy Spirit is the one who consecrates. In Leviticus 8, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, and a bullock for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. And gather thou all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Drop down to verse 6. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons, and washed them with water. Verse 10. And Moses took the anointing oil, and anointed the tabernacle, and all all that was therein and sanctified them and he sprinkled thereof of upon the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all his vessels both the laver and his foot to sanctify them and he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and put coats upon them and girded them with girdles and put bonnets upon them as the Lord commanded Moses in verse 30. And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon his sons' garments with him and sanctified Aaron in his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. So we see uh, the anointing, the Holy Ghost, when it says the anointing oil, it's the same as the Holy Ghost. When it says the anointing, it's the same as the Holy Ghost. When you see the word glory, it's the same as the Holy Ghost. When you see the word rain, many times, if it's not talking about literal rain, then it's it's talking about the rain. When it says early and latter rain, that's talking about the that's talking about an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And uh, so when we see this word anointing or anointing oil, we see that the Holy Spirit is doing a work of consecration here. He's sanctifying. Now in the New Testament, because we're New Testament believers, and uh, we're different. We say we're under a new covenant, aren't we? Yeah. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. It says, oh, I like this. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we see the Holy Spirit still in the consecrating business, but now He's our consecration and He consecrates us from the inside out. We're set apart. The Bible says we are set apart. Sanctified means to be set apart. We are set apart as kings and priests unto God. Amen. Turn and, and if I hoped you stayed in Leviticus, look at verse chapter ten, verse seven. It says, And ye shall not go out from the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die, for the anointing oil of the Lord is upon you. And they did according to the word of Moses. So we see how powerful the anointing is. The anointing oil, when it was on them, they didn't set foot out of that tabernacle, lest they die. Hallelujah. How many times I think we don't respect the Holy Ghost enough. I don't think we respect the Holy Ghost enough and because the Holy Ghost is so powerful and that because we don't respect Him enough and we don't understand and respect Him, God can't give us as much of Him as He'd like to give us of Him because it could kill us. Because you'd better not take the anointing oil and that holy anointing and go and get in the bar with it or something. 
because it could kill you. So a lot of times out of God's mercy and his love for you, the God, God, God withholds from us what we cannot contain. Amen. Because if the full impact of the Holy Spirit were come up, were to come upon us now, and we had, uh, and we we were to toy with it, or play with it, or treat it disrespectfully, or lie to it as Ananias and Sapphira did, don't be caught lying in these last days. And if you have a lie in your life and you're living a lie of any kind, now is the day. Today is the hour. We are in that little window of time when you have opportunity to come clean, to repent. The Bible says in James, confess your faults one to another that you may be uh, saved or delivered or, um, you know, and we need to take, you need to take that time. I tell you, the devil will whip you for what you keep secret. Even if you confess it to the Lord, you need to come clean. I tell you, you need to come clean. I know I have had a friend that she had had an abortion and nobody knew it but her. Nobody in the whole world knew it but the doctor. And this was back in the days when it wasn't legal in Texas and she had had to fly to California to have an abortion. And nobody knew it from her. She, she told her parents she was going to go. And she was a grown woman. She wasn't a teenager when she did this. But uh, she told her parents. She didn't tell the man, uh, her boyfriend. But she told her parents she was just going to go out of town for the weekend to visit somebody. She got on a plane to California by herself, went and had an abortion, and flew back. And I'll tell you, and she re and later realized, that that was the wrong thing to do maybe realized it before she went actually probably the Holy Ghost telling her but anyway went ahead with it anyway and later was very repentant but could not get free of it because why because anything that's secret and hidden in your life the devil will whip you over the head with he always will whip you. And so, uh, you know, and she was just always fretting. And, and uh, I was counseling with her and trying to help her. I really was not a pastor's wife then, but I was just a friend. And, uh, and finally, I just said, what is it? What? And, you know, I just in desperation as we would pray and try to get her the victory. I just said, what is it? And finally, she just said, I had an abortion. And you know, after she finally said, I had an abortion, it's amazing how, because God had forgiven her, now it's no big deal. I mean, it's not that it's not a big deal to have an abortion, but if she's forgiven, she's clean, this is not something that can hold you back in life. Sin cannot hold you back in life. Sin does not have any power over you. And, this, and, and yet, because it was unconfessed, because she was hiding this deep, dark secret, it was having a power over her. And I don't know why I talked about that, but I did. Turn to, uh, are you in Leviticus 16, verse 1? And the Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. So sometimes we know that the Holy Spirit appears as a cloud. Chapter 26. And there, I've been in meetings before. I personally have never seen the cloud, but I've been in meetings where people said a cloud just rolled in from the back. And they literally saw that. We, we can see, at times God lets us see into the spirit realm. And we may not, even if you don't sense the cloud or see the cloud, you may sense an, a presence of the Holy Ghost coming in. Amen. And, you know, so, and, and maybe you already sense something's moving. Or maybe when somebody says the cloud came in, then you turn your spiritual sensors on. I want to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, and I hope you do. Chapter 26, verse 11. 
And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you, and I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Now there's a difference once again. We're new covenant people, and there he's walking among them. But now he walks in us. And you know, it's wrong, family, and we will not have the victory we ought to have if we're looking for God out here in the external realm. If we don't look for God, we need to look inward. Somebody said that's why we bow our head when we pray. Not in so much humility, but we're looking on the inside. Hallelujah. Looking down here because this is where God is. And even in praise and worship, I always like to throw my head back and look up. But the truth is, that's not where God, you know. Hallelujah. God is, uh, God's right down here. On the inside of us. He walks in us now. We're wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. You've got the, and I know maybe you haven't trained yourself to sense him, but the more you train yourself to look inside, the more you train yourself to become quiet and look in here for your help. You know, we've sung songs in the past that have turned us the wrong way and that reach out and touch the Lord as he walks by. That's old covenant. But we've sang those in our kind of churches, hadn't we? But we don't need to reach out and touch the Lord as He walks by. He's right here on the inside of us. Amen. Hallelujah. He's right here. The power of God is inside you now. The kingdom of God is inside you now. The wisdom of God is not out here. And we make a mistake when we lean too much on counselors. We lean too much on God, the Holy Spirit wants us to rely on Him. The Holy Spirit wants us to look to Him for wisdom. And certainly He will use people at times. But we should not put our dependence on people. We shouldn't put our dependence on on any external. But but to hold the greater one that lives on the inside of us. Amen. Y'all know what I'm saying. Let's look in the book of Numbers. Uh, In the book of Numbers, the Holy Spirit is our guide. Now, is their God, and he's our God too, but let's look in chapter 9 of the book of Numbers. We're looking in the Old Testament, and the Holy Spirit is in every book of the Old Testament, just as Jesus is in every book of the Old Testament too. Not called Jesus, but he's there. Uh, Numbers chapter 9, verse 15. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at even there were upon the tabernacle, as it were, the appearance of fire until the morning. We sang tonight, we got fire shut, um, shut up in our bones. We already, we, sang, we sang it today sometime. We've got fire shut up in our bones. We've got the fire of the Holy Ghost. They had the fire, the appearance of fire on the outside, but they could not have the Holy Ghost on the inside because the Holy Ghost wouldn't come in and indwell an unclean vessel and their vessel wasn't clean we had to have a new creation experience before we could have a clean before our vessel was clean and could contain the holy spirit amen and that's how that's how it happened uh let's read on uh we read verse verse 16 so it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night and when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle then after that the children of israel journeyed see he's guiding amid me and in the place where the cloud abode there the children of israel pitched their tents and a commandment of the lord 
And at the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud abode upon the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle, many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was, when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents according to the commandment of the Lord, and they journeyed. And so we see the Holy Spirit, they're acting as their guide. Now the Holy Spirit is also so our God, he is, the, he is in us the inward witness, the Bible calls him. He, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. And so we look, when, when we need guidance, we don't look to, we don't say, we don't try to figure it out with our head. You get in trouble when you start trying to figure out the will of God with your head. When you start trying to reason it out. See, people make big mistakes because they, they, uh, my mom used to tell me when I was younger, of course, she didn't, we didn't know anything about these kind of things. You got to understand we were Christians, but that's it. And she would say, well, now like make a list of the pros and cons. If you're trying to decide whether to take a job or not. Make a list. And on one side of the paper, put the pros. And on one side of the paper, put the cons. But that's the world system. That's not the way the Holy Spirit leads us. Because you could have a whole list of pros. Uh, and you could have the good things. There, you could be all sorts of good things. Well, you know, uh, this would be a promotion. So I think I ought to do it. This would be an increase in salary. My goodness, they're going to furnish me a car. The, all these pros. But then it means moving to a town in somewhere, Timbuktu. And... Um, and man, there's no church. There's no spirit-filled church within 85 or 90 or maybe 100 miles. And, and you know, right there, you can see the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to a place uh, where you're going to not be fed. Amen. And so the pro and con concept doesn't work. We have a guide on the inside of us, and he guides us according to the principles of the Word of God, according to truth, and he leads us uh, from the inward man and from the inward witness. People, though, make up their minds what they want, and then they go to God and say, show me, but they've already made up their mind, and they wouldn't receive it if he did show him. And so sometimes God just, I think he just doesn't say anything. If you've already decided and he knows it, he doesn't say anything. You know, show me if this is the man I'm supposed to marry, but you don't really want to know. You're bound and determined you're going to marry. Amen. That's why you put safeguards up concerning the Holy Spirit before you ever get to that man. Like not dating a man, just deciding ahead of time, I'm not dating anybody that's not saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Um, you know, put a safeguard up if you're single and say, I'm not dating any man that my pastor doesn't give me permission to date. Well, a lot of people don't have the nerve to do that. But, you know, it's the truth. I mean, because, the, the, see, see, you know, that's being smart. That's being knowing that you can't, you can get kind of desperate to get married. Why, I don't know. If you've ever been there before, you shouldn't be desperate. Not, not to say I don't like my marriage, but it's just like the Word says, and Brother Hagen taught us, in the flesh, when you get married in the flesh, you will have trouble. You'll have trouble in the flesh. The Word says that. When you get married, you will have trouble in the flesh. Did you know it is easier to not be married than it is to be married? And like one lady says, and I like this, it takes a mighty good husband to beat none. 
I've got a good one. I've got a good one. And so I've beat the nun. He's sure glad he came in under the wire. No. But if you have a need, you don't need to have a needy mentality. Because you're going to fall in a ditch if you need somebody to make you happy. If you need somebody to make you complete. Hallelujah. And I tell you, even in marriage, you need to, I, I need him, I want him, but I'm not, but I tell you, I can, I can do it either way. And you need to have that mentality, ladies and men. I can do it either way. I'm, you know, I'm not going to, see, we put our dependence over on Jesus. Oh, we put our dependence over on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need him and I want him and we're bet who's better than one and we, and this works good. Hallelujah. And he knows that, and I know that too. He said, you know, of course, he'll hug me and love me, and he'll say, you know, can't do this without you, or I don't know what I'd do without you, and I'd say, I do, you'd make it. <laughs> he would, he'd make it. He'd do just fine. Just keep doing what he's doing. He'd just keep preaching the word. Hallelujah. But he's not going to, because I've already been promised by the Lord, I'm, come, I'm going in the rapture. He already told me. He gave me scripture and verse. I was going in the rapture. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm sticking around. Hallelujah. But you've got to have this kind of heart and attitude in you. Amen. Because you'll make a mistake if you don't. If you don't put some safeguards up in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, uh, don't mean to any way diminish marriage because marriage is awesome. But only good marriages are awesome. Only God-ordained marriages are awesome. And even those in the flesh, because of your flesh, because of your flesh and his flesh, you will have trouble. In other words, there will be things to overcome. And there's not anybody in here that wouldn't say that I've had to overcome some things. I have to overlook some things. You know, it is not all peaches and cream. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, and if anybody, it's, if it's all peaches and cream for anybody, won't you come up here and we're going to lay hands on you and <laughs> cast that lying devil out of you. Hallelujah. But you know, I noticed that some people have a lot, it's peachier and creamy or because they're shallow as a bird bath, like Steve Sampson said. You know, it's about this deep, the whole marriage, and you know, you don't ever, if you, you know. If, if, if you are, uh, if you, I mean, if you never do anything and never try to accomplish anything in life, you may not ever run into any conflict. But if one of you ever starts trying to believe God or, or accomplish something in life, you'll run into some conflicts. Amen? So don't be shallow as a birdbath. I love that when he said it. I thought, man, I like that. Where am I at? I'm in, did we read nine? Huh? And he was our guide. Uh, turn, no, 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 don't do that. And then Numbers 11, let's look there. Verse 25, the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him and took of the Spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. We see here, uh, uh, and if you go on up... Uh, 
before that, it talks about uh, that Moses, he put his hands on these men and put the Spirit of God that was in him on them so that they could make decisions. And so we see the Holy Spirit's ministry as the Spirit of wisdom. Your wisdom is on the inside of you already. Now you have to draw it out. You have to draw, the well of salvation is on the inside of you, and you have to draw the wisdom out. The Bible says Jesus has been made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. You already have redemption on the inside of you. You already sanctified on the inside. Hallelujah. Praise God. You need to translate it to the outside. But wisdom is inside of you. And so that's why we make a good confession and we say, I'm filled with the knowledge of His will. I know what to do. Even when in the mind hadn't received it yet. Maybe your mind doesn't know what to do yet, but on the inside, you know what to do. You know you're guided. You know it's there. Amen. And so we just need to learn to rely on that and start believing what the Word says instead of saying I'm dumb as a stump. Hallelujah. I just don't know what to do. I don't know. Making that confession. You know, our confession, we've been learning, is binding us to things that we don't want to be bound to. Uh, in chapter 12, verse 1. And, and Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for, the, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Um, let's see where I want to read. Mm. Verse 4, And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three into the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. Verse 5, And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. Verse 9, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was was leprous. And so in the book of Numbers, we see the Holy Spirit acting as the avenger. And in Romans chapter 12, we see that the Holy Spirit is our avenger. Romans 12, 19. He is acting as Moses' avenger. We do not have to avenge ourselves. In fact, that's what this says, Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. But rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So we don't avenge ourselves. We don't try to get back. We let God can do a better job uh, than we can. And, um, and so He is the, uh, the Holy Spirit is the mighty avenger. Deuteronomy chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, and in this, I'm going to give you four scriptures where in Deuteronomy, the uh, Holy Spirit, in reference to signs and wonders. Verse 34. Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And so we see him in the ministry of signs and wonders. Chapter 6, verse 22. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household, before our eyes. Chapter 26, verse 8. 
Are y'all doing Bible drill tonight and going fast? And the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm and with great terribleness and with signs and with wonders. In chapter 34, verse 11. And in all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to do all his land. Now, the miraculous is the miraculous. Anytime you see the miraculous, anytime you see signs and wonders and see the miraculous, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn to Matthew chapter 12 and I'll prove that to you. Anytime you see signs and wonders, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28. He says, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. If I cast out devils by the, by the Spirit of God. Now remember that and turn to Luke chapter 11. If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. Would you all agree that casting out devils is a sign and a wonder? Not the only kind. There's different kinds, but that is a sign and a wonder. That is something supernatural. When a devil gets cast out of a person, that is a sign, that is a wonder, that is a miraculous event. Devils don't go on their own. And uh, in Luke 11, verse 20, it says, but if, I, but if I, with the finger of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here he says it different. He says, if I do it by the finger of God. And there he said, if I do it by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the finger of God. Or you can say it another way, the finger of God is the Holy Spirit. And anytime we see the miraculous, we are seeing the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's just go a little bit further. We'll go to the book of Judges. In Judges, uh, there were 13 judges. We won't take a long time on this book. But in, there were 13 judges, and five of them were anointed by the Holy Spirit. Eight of the judges were wicked judges, and they did what was right in their own eyes, which how many of you realize that's always not a good idea, to do what's right in your own eyes instead of what God says to do. In Ch Judges chapter 3, verse 10... Uh, we see Othniel, and he was one of the good judges. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Chusan Rishatham, king of Mesopotamia, unto his hand. And his hand prevailed against Chushan Mushatham. And so uh, Othniel, and that word coming upon means to be actively present upon. Now, the Holy Spirit has involved himself in many wars, just like this one. The Holy Spirit involved himself in the Revolutionary War. The whole, and we have document, I mean, there is documentation that an angel stood before uh, George Washington. I could bring you the documentation of that, where he saw an angel and has told, he told the story many times of how that angel stood before him. Uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit was involved in the Civil War. Because there was a sin in this nation called slavery. And I know that's not, that's not all the reasons for the Civil War. But there was a sin in this nation called slavery that had to be purged so this nation could go to the place that it is today. 
and the Holy Spirit was involved in the civil rights movement of the 1960s because even though slavery had been uh, somewhat dealt with, the people had not completely and totally uh, acted upon that. And so the Holy Spirit involved himself in that. And the Holy Spirit is involved in the war in Iraq. It is God's plan. For us to be there, Saddam Hussein is a terrorist. I like Colonel Copeland said last week, I don't know if y'all heard him. Uh, if he, and there's a little bit of problem because WGN, you know, the TV station out of Chicago, has refused to air the programs that he just did with Keith Butler because they're so strong concerning homosexuality and some of the issues that are in the elections. And so they've been running reruns on WGN. Well, I got wind of that, and I was actually recording it on WGN. And so I just changed and started recording it on WABM out of Birmingham, which was airing the right programs, which were the Keith Moore programs. No, not Keith Moore, Keith Butler. Keith Moore is in Birmingham, if y'all can get free tomorrow night. Anyway, um, Keith Butler out of Detroit and uh, Brother Copeland was talking about these things uh, on those programs and how Iraq, uh, how Saddam Hussein had to be taken out of Iraq. And he said, he simply said, and I thought, well, this would get their attention. He said, uh, anybody that says that Saddam Hussein is not connected to Al-Qaeda must have rocks for brains or BBs. <laughs> and I'm like, that kind of gets the... Because we know that one of the candidates specifically said in one of the debates that Al-Qaeda was not connected to Saddam Hussein, which is totally ridiculous. Saddam Hussein was the ring... He was the next Hitler. That's what Brother Copeland said and has to, had to be taken out. The devil tries to make things happen before their time. He tried to make Hitler be the Antichrist, but it wasn't time. And so, it, you know, this is, uh, did not happen. Anyway, uh, uh, the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not there, I'm on judges. Uh, so these judges, the, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and it means to be actively present upon. It, it is an unannounced, sudden coming of the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that the, that, that the Holy Spirit helped uh, Israel win a war in six days. The world could not believe that they won the, the six-day war and won that war in six days. The Holy Spirit is involved in war. A lot of, see, a lot of people are got this Jesus with a lamb under his arm mentality of Jesus and oh he's the prince of peace and he is the prince of peace but they're misinterpreting peace people send out Christmas cards with a world on them that says peace on earth insinuating that it would be God's will for the whole world to be at peace but Jesus said he said I didn't come to bring peace I came with a sword to divide yeah and he said, that's what he said. So he went, and in, but now the angels came to the shepherds and they said, uh, peace on earth, goodwill to men. When God says, I, Jesus is the prince of peace and I've come to bring peace, he's talking about between God and man. We now have peace with him. We are no longer alienated from God. We are now uh, bone of, we, we are created in his image and we are not strangers or uh, outcasts now as we were. So it's not talking about world peace. So throw your Christmas cards away that you bought to send this year that, that have a big old world on them with a dove and a little ribbon. on the, Now, you've seen this Christmas card, and it says, Peace on Earth. 
Because it is not going to happen until the millennial reign of Christ. We're going to have war and the Holy Spirit's going to be involved in war. And the Holy Spirit's going to help win these wars that are righteous wars. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, just like he came on Othniel, the judge there, to win this battle against this evil man, he comes on us and helps us win these battles. And you say, yeah, but there's loss of life. There doesn't have to be. If these soldiers would get saved and begin to put themselves in Psalm 91, they could walk right out of this. They could walk out of it without a hair on their head being singed. And they could walk right, they wouldn't come home in emotional trauma with, what do they call that? Post-traumatic stress syndrome. They wouldn't come out of it like that. They come out of po- with, it, with post-traumatic stress in them because there's so much sin in the military. They go over there. They hook up with prostitutes. They get on drugs and they drink. And that's what they did in the Vietnam War. The Most of them. And then they come home with post-traumatic stress syndrome. Well, you know, you're not going to have the power of the Holy Spirit on you if you're with the Vietnamese prostitutes. And the same in the Civil War. The Union Army, one out of three had venereal disease. They could have, they won, but they could have won in other ways too. Do you know what I'm saying? And I did. I heard that uh, Nashville was the big capital of all of it. Hallelujah. Hope they've cleansed that place. It was the big prostitute capital of the Civil War. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, just a little extra there. Uh, Gideon, just what you wanted to know. Gideon, Gideon, another judge, was clothed in the Holy Spirit. The spirit of strength came upon him. And the Bible says, suddenly, it was a violent seizure of by the Holy Spirit. In Judges chapter 6, verse 34. Let's look at Gideon just a second. Y'all have heard of Gideon. Y'all know about Gideon. Amen. Y'all didn't get religious on me there about that, did you? But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Athnezir was gathered after him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. You know... Gideon did not put on the Spirit. The Spirit put on Gideon. Now, it's different for us. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside. But Galatians 3.27, turn there. Because we still have to put on something. We have to put on something. We've got the Spirit on the inside. Galatians Galatians 3.27. Thank you, Lord. For as many as of you has have been baptized into Christ, they are put on Christ. Now, so we got the Holy Ghost on the inside, but we need to do something about our flesh, and that's put on Christ. We put on Christ on the outside. Uh, and then in um, Ephesians 4.24, if you'll just go over there another time, and there's several times we're told to put on something, uh, put on the armor of God, etc., etc. But in 4.24 it says, And that ye put on the new man. 
See, you've been made a new man on the inside, but you've got to put him on on the outside. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So you're holy on the inside, but you need to put it on on the outside and start acting holy. You put it on. See, there's a lot of people created in righteousness and true holiness, but they're not putting it on, putting on the new man on the outside. So they're not acting righteous. They're not acting holy. And that's not just meaning being pious either. That means when you act righteous, you act bold. You hold your head up. You act with authority when you act righteous. So it's not just a matter of not sinning, although that's very important too. Samson, he was a judge. And the Bible says he was the, the Holy Spirit stirred him, and impelling or thrusting a person into action. That's Judges 13, 25. The Bible says the Spirit came upon him mightily, Samson in Judges 14, 6 through 19. I heard Colin talk about this on the tape. And he said, he talked about how Samson was not, he didn't look like uh, Mr. Universe. And already, you know, all we, but we see him in the Sunday school books as a real muscled up man. But he was just ordinary like you or like you, like some of you men. Y'all don't look like Mr. Universe. Well, I mean, it doesn't appear that way. Hallelujah. Y'all look pretty ordinary. But if the Spirit of God came on you and He came on him and he had supernatural strength, the Bible says that the Spirit, it means to rush upon. And then another judge, Deborah, she, the Bible says she was born along or led along by the Spirit of God. And turn to 2 Peter 1.21. We'll end with this. Born along or led along by the Spirit of God. Those are the judges that were righteous, and the Holy Spirit worked with them. When you choose God, the Holy Spirit will work with you. The Holy Spirit will work with you when you choose God. And you know, we not only can have the Holy Spirit on the inside, we can have Him in manifestation on the outside too. 2 Peter 1.21 uh, I'm in 1 Peter and we were looking for this scripture last week and didn't find it, but this is it. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The Bible was written by men of God who the Holy Ghost came upon. Amen. Now, we've been uh, believing God for, for fresh fillings of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. But then if you look in Acts chapter 4, you see that the same men that got filled in Acts chapter 2, the same men and women, that they got filled again. And then I believe it's in Acts chapter 15, we looked at it two weeks ago, uh, that they were filled again. And there are many fillings of the Holy Spirit. I, like, I heard some preacher, I heard somebody quote this, and I can't even remember who, but they said uh, uh, they overheard a, a preacher praying for a lady. A guest minister prayed for a lady, and he said, Lord, fill her with the Holy Ghost. And the pastor spoke up under his breath and said, don't do it, Lord, she leaks. I wouldn't want your pastor to say that about you. <laughs> but the truth is, we leak. Some of us, she must have leaked more than others. But we leak, but not only do we leak sometimes, but we also, we use it up. This is a tangible substance, and as we pour out and as we give out, we need to be freshly filled. 
And I can tell a, I can tell a difference. Every time we've come the last two weeks, we're get, I'm getting a layer painted on me. You're getting something. Something's starting to stir in me. So we're not going to stop. We're fixing to go into a camp meeting starting next Sunday night. I think we ought to go in full. And then let them paint some more on us and fill us up some more. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, let's start with the little section. Let's start with this section over here. Amen. Praise God. 